Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Good morning, Branches. Um, I wasn't sure if I'd get a chance to talk about the Dodgers, but Boog really teed it up for me. So I um, have a video to introduce, and I kind of wanted to just share something. It's, it's funny because I moved here like 10 years ago, and one of the first things I got to do was go to a Dodger game and become a lifelong fan. And then I had kids, and I forgot about anything um, that I enjoyed for myself. And um, so recently, that's been rekindled, and our whole house has just been having a really fun time um, watching on TV. And so um, this video, while it does um, have someone very important in it, it's not really about who he is or what he does. It's just like that's not what it's about for any of us, but more about the decision that he's made. So um, with that, we'll have the video. When you're out there in the heat of the moment and you're pitching, it's a big situation. You're saying, don't throw a ball. Don't give up a hit. Don't walk this guy. The harder you want to control something, the more it gets out of your control. And you want to hit the outside corner with the pitch. If you, all you think about is, I'm going to hit that, aim it right there, hit it right there. That's the last place it's going to go. have in the back of your mind where you're supposed to throw it and then just say I'm going to throw it as hard as I can right at that glove and just say that it'll be around there more often than not um, if you've done the preparation and the mechanics of everything is there it's almost the same in life like the more you try and grip control your life the more God's going to you know untangle that from you he's going to make things go to where you have to rely on him I was just so worried. I was so worried all the time. My parents got divorced when I was 10. I had so much anxiety about my own life. If there was something that needed to get done, I'd rather do it myself than let other people do it for me. You know, just just stuff that I couldn't control that I was worried about. My mom and I were trying to figure out how college is going to be a feasible option for us. Uh, You know, it's going to be so expensive because I can't afford to do that. I didn't know what to do on my own. When I kind of relinquished all control of my life um, was the day I got drafted. Um, that, that was life-changing. That was something that, you know, even talking about now chokes me up just because it's just amazing the providence God had in my life. God was there the whole time. I just didn't bother to look. I never thought in a million years I'd ever get to play professional baseball, get to play in the major leagues, get to live out my dream. Since I was a kid, that's all I ever wanted to do. But, you know, at the same time, if you're playing baseball, why are you playing baseball? Is it to, to have good success on the field and be a Hall of Famer or whatever it is? Sure, that's, that's everybody's goal. But then what? For me, it's about the legacy you leave off the field. It's about how many people can I affect through the platform that he gave me. I got to go to Africa last year with my wife, Ellen. 
She's been working with some kids over there that she's gotten to go back and see. One particularly has uh, touched her heart, and her name is Hope, and uh, she's a double orphan. Both her parents have died from AIDS. You see the, the cloud in her eyes, you know, she's scared. Ellen just gave the quickest version of uh, the good news that she possibly could. And that's all it takes for people in Zambia. It's like they've been waiting their whole lives for somebody just to tell them. And it changed my life. We just started a home called Hope's Home and uh, in honor of Hope, this little girl. And uh, we just, uh, it's gonna be an orphanage for about 12 kids and we just bought the land for it. And uh, yeah, hopefully within the next year, we'll see the orphanage built and we'll see the kids put in uh, the home. We're just an avenue. You know, we're just doing the part that God gave us. You can't think, oh yeah, we can change this whole country ourselves. No, but God can. And uh, one more, one more reason to let go of control. Playing for the Dodgers in LA is just saying that it's 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 amazing. It's ridiculous. The prayer I say before I go out there and pitch is. You know, not God, you know, let me win today, or God, you know, help me pitch good. It's, you know, God, just be with me. With all the different people and different cultures and different religions, you can kind of just, just kind of become one, you know, one with the crowd. You gotta keep reminding yourself that you're supposed to stand out and you're supposed to be different and you're supposed to act boldly in your faith. It's definitely not easy. Not a great conversation starter sometimes, but uh, you know it, it's worth the fight. Whether it be pitching on a baseball mound or living my life outside of the baseball field, it's uh, giving up my life to God that really puts my life in control. My name is Clayton Kershaw, and I am second. Good morning. If you could grab your Bibles and open up to Matthew chapter 6. So Matthew chapter 6. I will take full responsibility for that video that was shown. I almost didn't play it, um, so I chose it earlier this week because I saw it, and I knew that um, uh, the guy, a lot of you don't care anything about sports, so let me tell you, the guy is uh, considered the best pitcher in baseball, plays for the Dodgers, and he's pitching tonight um, for game five. But for those of you who don't care, uh, they were down, and I, and I it's, it's a long story that we're not going to get into because there's more important things to talk about, but I care too much. And so I'm like, if they lose, I don't think I can show that video. I don't think I can emotionally get through it. So they won last night. So I was able to show you the video, and, and hopefully you got the message, and um, hopefully he fades into the background. But um, let's all pray that the Dodgers win. Thank you. So you need to be in Matthew chapter 6. And um, through, this, through this, this Sermon on the Mount um, and studying and researching, I've discovered some things about myself that I didn't really think were true, but they are. I am a greedy person. 
I'm straight up greedy. But I'm okay admitting that in front of all of you because I know you are too, whether you realize that yet or not. Um, when we look here at the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to be looking at Matthew 6, 33. And it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. And I used to think I knew what that meant. But when you look at it in context, it talks a lot about greed. Because uh, it says, but seek first. Or another way to translate that word is therefore. Which means what was happening before, and it was talking about greed. And I was thinking in my own life and wrestling with this, and I was thinking about greed. And it's easy to cover it up as you get older. But I was thinking back to when I was a kid, 11 years old, and I was going to Bumper's Junction. And Bumper's Junction was an arcade. For those of you that are too young or were too cool to go, I was one of those kids that would go to the arcade. And that, that experience for me was nothing but greed. Um, I would, they, they would give you a free token every day. So you have this little Bumper Junctions card, and you go and you get one free game. And since I was dirt poor, that worked out well. I got my little membership thing and I'd go every day and I'd play with that one token. So I got really good so I could make it last. And my game was Donkey Kong. 1981, 11 years old, boom. So the way it is, you take your tokens, you line them up. And there was one time where I had, i pretty sure I stole the quarters from my mom, got the tokens and you'd line them up on the top of the game, which lets everybody else know, back off. I've got this for however many quarters I can put up there. It's kind of rude, but you're a kid and you're greedy and you don't really care what anybody else wants. All you're thinking about is yourself. And I wanted this game. So I'm sitting there in a stool like this, you know, playing the whole thing. And this kid comes up and he starts to reach for my coins. Like, hey, hey, hey. He's messing with, like, a bunch of other kids are with him. And he starts messing with my coins. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so I said, I can't remember the exact words, but I'm sure I couldn't repeat them in church, but I said something to him. And he's like, oh, really? And he kind of looked around. Got a big brother here? No. Got a big sister? I always, I always remember that. He asked me if I had a big sister because he was worried if I had a big sister because she would beat him up. And um, I said no, and he goes, whack, and hits me upside the head. And I was like, what? And I looked, and I saw his friends. He goes, I'm going to meet you in the back. It's over. And I was like, yeah. I went back to playing the game, and I waited for them to go to the back, and I grabbed all my quarters, put them in my pocket, and I ran to my bike and greedily raced home as fast as I could on my little BMX bike. That whole moment just encapsulates for me just greed, this grasping, this wanting something. And I wanted that game so bad, and that kid, I don't know what he wanted, but it, that's a moment for me that is clarity of what greed is. This is how you define greed. Um, the word means to... Um, to close your hand upon it and to not let it go. Kind of like what Clayton Kershaw was talking about. Like if you try to control, if you try to grip too hard, it's not going to go where you want it to go. You think you can hold on to it, but when you try to hold on to it, you can't because it can so easily be taken away. All you need to do is be slapped in the side of the head. It also means it, uh, greed is it's insatiable, which means it's one of my favorite words. A friend of mine said it one time, didn't know what it was. Looked it up, and I went, ooh, that's a good word. Insatiable means it can never be filled. That's what greed is. It's something that can never be filled. Or it means to grasp, like to reach, to grasp. And that kind of claw-like feeling of like, that's mine. I need that. That's what greed is. 
And so this passage, Matthew 6.33, as I looked at it, I didn't realize the context that it was in. I didn't waste any time doing that before. But that's where we need to waste our time. We need to look at the context of, context of what Jesus is calling us to. And so as I looked at it, if you go up a couple verses, and that's what we're going to do right now, um, we're going to go to this passage. So open up your Bibles, Matthew 6, 22, and 23. And I want you to have your Bibles open because we're going to bounce around a little bit. And I don't want to have a bunch of cut and paste slides that you're following along with and it kind of gets you distracted. So um, if you have your own Bible, that's great. If you don't, we have these. I think they already walked around and passed them out, did they? Yeah, because they're gone. Um, so if you want one, if you're greedy for one, we will give you one. Um, but Matthew chapter 6, and if you go up, it starts in verse 19, but I want to focus on verse 22. Remember, in this passage that we're focusing on, 633, he says, therefore, or but, so there's something before it attached. The entire Sermon on the Mount is cut and paste. If you read it as a complete sermon in today's world, you're like, Jesus, you are all over the place. Like, let me coach you, Jesus, on your sermon giving. You're going to want to have just one point so that everyone can stay with you. You've got too much going on here. Well, one, that's not the way they did it. And the, the writer of the Gospel of Matthew was trying to sum, summarize all of his teaching, different teachings that he gave. Now, there was an area where he would typically give sermons. He would typically teach so you can bounce around in the Sermon on the Mount, and it's okay. It's not like one necessarily builds on the other, but some of them, you can tell they're together. You can't pull them apart. You cannot pull verse 19 away from verse 33. They're connected. You can't take verse 22 or 23 away from 33 because they're connected. So you can't just take, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Oh, so if I just seek God, then everything's going to be given to me. No, no, no. You have to look at the context. Because he's saying, therefore, because of everything I just said before, you should seek the kingdom of God. Well, why should we? Well, let's look here in this passage right here, Matthew 6, 22 and 23. Um, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad... Your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Now, if you're just seeing this verse for the first time, or if you're being reminded of it, you're probably going, okay, you better explain this one, because with the eyes, the lamp of the body, and the eye is healthy, and some of you have different translations. Um, just prior to this, Jesus is saying, and I'm sure you've got your Bibles open so you can see it, he says, do not store up for yourself treasures here on earth, which can so easily rust or moth can destroy. So the treasure is not just money. It's whatever we treasure, whatever we're gripping onto, whatever we hold onto. He says, if it can easily disappear, if it can easily be taken away from you, don't hold on to that. Instead, store up for yourself treasures which are in heaven, things that will last, things that really matter. And then he goes into this passage. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy or if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad or some of your translations say if your eye is evil. So in their culture, when they say that, 
evil eye, they mean something completely different. It means to be stingy. So if you go to Matthew 20, 15, Jesus is sharing this parable where he's talking about um, this rich man who gives to these workers, and he gives them all equally, although some of them work more. And so the people that work longer work 10 hours. We're looking at the people that only work for one hour. Going, what? And the owner who was divvying out the money goes, why do you have an evil eye? Because I'm generous. So evil eye means to be greedy. It means to be stingy. It means to grip really hard. And so this passage is saying, if your eye is healthy, which means wide open, instead of being stingy, think about it. Whenever you've been greedy, why is it that our eyes go like this? Guaranteed, when that kid came towards Donkey Kong, I was like, what? I wasn't like, hi. Like, it's like, you're not going to take this from me, are you? Like, that's what we look like. I don't know if you guys can see me clearly. I don't know how the lighting is. I almost thought about if we had some really cool kind of uh, gif that we could put up there with someone with it. I'm sure there's a great gif out there with the evil eye. But he's saying, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is open, if it's good, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is evil, or if you are stingy and greedy, your whole body will be full of darkness. So Jesus is not just saying, hey, you need to be generous. He's saying if you're not, then you're going to be filled with darkness. It's like you're closed in. And when you get greedy, think about it. That's all you can see. Everything shrinks down to that. Everything shrinks down to just a few things. So when we're talking about this idea of being greedy, it's not just about material possessions, although they are included. So you can't just take money and possessions and separate it. In fact, right after this passage, Jesus says, you're going to either serve money or God. You can't serve both. So we have to take that serious. But there's other elements, things that we're greedy, things that we grasp onto. For some of us, it's approval that can so easily be swayed. If we're seeking other people's approval, we know how quickly our opinions change. Then we're seeking something that can easily be taken away, a treasure here on earth. It's a treasure. Who doesn't want to be approved of? But it's fleeting. It comes and it goes and it can easily be taken. Health. Some of us are striving so hard for health. Either health because we want to be a picture of health or because we're not healthy and we want it so bad and we're doing whatever we can for health. We're grasping, we're just holding on to it, whatever we can do to grasp it. Um, for some of us, it's, I want to get married. And that's all we can see. Our eyes are so narrow because that's all we can see. And so we're wrapped up in darkness because nothing else matters. Does that mean getting married or health is bad? No. But if we focus on that and try to hold on to or control it, they can so easily be taken away and we're filled with darkness. We strive for significance. Wealth, material things, food. One of my favorite ones here is revenge. I mean, you, your focus can be laser focused when you've been done wrong, right? And it happens, because that's what we do. But home, shoes, I don't know what it is for you that you're grasping onto right now, but that's what greed looks like. That's, That's what, what it feels, feels like. And the thing about greed, here's the thing about greed that, that, that I hadn't thought about before. 
There's a, uh, uh, the BBC, which is an English company, did a survey, a study, on the seven deadly sins. In those seven deadly sins is greed. By the way, nowhere in the Bible does it say there's seven deadly sins. They're all sins. Um, but a while ago, one of the churches, a large church, decided, hey, we're going to list the seven so that people know, hey, stay away from these. Things like anger, uh, being lazy, murder, that's a good one to make sure that everyone stays away from. And then in that was greed. And so they said, okay, the BBC, well, we're going to see what everyone thinks is the worst. Um, or they did that, and then they said, okay, which one do you have? And when they did the study, greed finished dead last. Well, I've got that, I've got murder finished above greed. I've wanted to murder before greed. No, I don't struggle with greed. It's not, I don't have any problem with that. That's what they thought. Well, and I'm sure you've heard this study before. I won't give you all the details of where it came from because there's several, and they all come up with the same conclusion. When it comes to just money alone, forget about people's approval, forget about significance, forget about health, forget about all the other things that we are grasping onto. But if you just use money alone, it says that the average, and it, I don't know why it's so rounded up and perfectly, but it's 10%. So whatever you make per year, when they did the study, how much more do you need to be happy? Well, if I just had 10% more, I'd be happy. So if you made 30,000 a year, if you made an extra 3,000, then everything would be good. Maybe say your whole family income is 50,000, it's 5,000. If it's 100,000, I'm just doing the math for you because I don't want you to have to pull out your calculators. It would be 10,000. The thing is that they found, and this is obvious, as time goes on, most people, although we go up and down, for the most part, it's going like this through inflation or just age. It's going to go up 10%. And so what happens? Everyone says, well, I need another 10%. It just keeps going. It doesn't stop. It's one of those endless things. So uh, this British psychoanalyst, Joan Riviere, she said this. She said, by its very nature, greed is endless, and it's never assuaged. And by being a form of the impulse to live, it ceases only with death. So by its very nature, greed is endless. Oh, you got it. Maybe it's not Donkey Kong, but you got it. But we don't realize it. And I love what um, Tim Keller, one of my favorite uh, writers, said. He said, even though it's clear that the world is filled with greed and materialism, almost no one thinks it is true of them. Greed hides itself from the victim. So it's in this context that Jesus says, but instead of these things, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So now, in your Bibles, move to verse 33. And if you haven't gotten there yet, if you've been reading, some of you, are, as I'm talking, you're reading through, which is always a good thing if you're reading through the Bible. Um, in verse 25, Jesus says this. He says, um, make sure that you aren't perpetually uneasy, anxious, and worried about your life. 
That's in the context of greed, because that's what greed does. When you want something so bad, it, it creates this anxiety in your life. I, I can't watch these Dodger games anymore. I know it's completely irrational. It has something to do with my childhood and growing up a Dodger fan and my family. And, but it's too stressful because I want so bad for them to win and I can't play. Luckily for them, I can't play. But I'm out of control of this situation, so it causes this anxiety. That's what it does when you're greedy, when you want something, when you want to control something or someone or your circumstances or your situation. And that's why Jesus says, look, this is what this is causing you. This, this verse, Matthew 6, 25, it's from the Amplified Bible that I told you about last week. He said, do not be anxious. But another way to say it is, do not be perpetually uneasy, anxious, and worried about your life. And then he gives us the answer. The answer to how not to struggle with that, how to let go of these things. And it's in this verse right here. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. But seek first the ways of God. In this entire Sermon on the Mount is just one example of Jesus saying, this is how you should live. If you live this way, you will live a full life. You won't have to deal with as much anxiety. You're going to drift back and forth. The heart is restless, but focus on the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the right way to do things. And all these things will be added to you. So what does it mean to seek? It doesn't mean just to look. It just doesn't mean, hey, go look for that. Go look for the kingdom of God. Okay, I'm going to go look. Because there's a lot of things we don't really look for. So I want to give us some, some context here. Because the word, zeteo, means to seek in order to find or acquire. It doesn't mean just to look. It means you're on a journey. You are on an adventure, a search, and you are going to get what you're looking for. The word, the same exact word is used here in Matthew uh, 18, 12. So what do you think? If a man has 100 sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go in search of the one that went away? So there's a search involved here. To seek first the kingdom of God is to search for it, to put out effort, great effort. Another passage that uses the exact same word is, or God's kingdom is like a jewel merchant on the hunt for excellent pearls. He finds one that is flawless. He immediately sells everything and buys it. To be seeking is to be on the hunt. Can you say that you are on the hunt for the way to do things the way God would do it? Another place that it's used is with Jesus' mother, Mary. Jesus is 12 years old, we know, and uh, he goes into the temple, and he is missing from his parents. And so they're freaking out, they're looking for him, and they find him, and this is what she says. His mother said, young man, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been half out of our minds looking for you. Now, was she just looking? Oh, no, no, no. I'm an expert in losing my children. I have so many examples of that. And when we talk about seeking, it's that thing that goes through your mind when you, if you don't have children, think of something else that's very valuable to you. But it's that idea of like, oh my gosh, Karis, where is she? You don't know where she is? I, wait, she's still in the parking lot at the jujitsu place? 
And we turn around and we're circling there and there she is in the parking lot. She doesn't even know we're gone yet. Because she would have freaked. She's sitting there in this little, um, what's the green fairy? In Peter Pan? Tinkerbell. She's someone at the Jesus place who gave it so she put it on. So she's in the parking lot. My parents are here. No, she's lost. And that feeling went through it and you just like want to throw up and everything narrows down because that's all that matters. That's what it means to seek. That's what it means to go on the search for. Oh, I would have searched. I would have paid anything. I would have given up anything to find her. That's all that mattered. That's what seek means. When we say seek first the kingdom of God, we need to know the weight that comes behind that. I'm not just looking for them. I put on hold everything. Everything else is secondary to finding them. And in the same way, I'm committed to acquiring so when we're seeking the kingdom of God, we are committed to acquiring this righteousness. So here's a question. I almost started with this one. I think it's more appropriate for here. Can you be saved? Because this is not a discussion of salvation. Can you be saved and not a Christian? Can you be saved and not be a disciple? The answer is yes. Because salvation, there's nothing we can do to acquire it. It's given to us. It's a gift from God. He does the work. We recognize it and we accept that gift. But to be a Christian, the word itself means to be a little Christ. Jesus never used the word. It meant those who would follow him. The word Christian was a derogatory term that was given to those believers from people on the outside. Oh, those little Christs. Because they were searching. They were committed to the journey of following him, to trusting him, to taking on that life. And everything else became secondary because they trusted that God would give them what was necessary. That's what this means. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. That's why we have this as our theme right here, behavior and belief. To do this kind of search, to do this kind of seeking, to, to be this committed, you have to believe who Jesus says he is, because that's the only reason you would turn your life completely upside down. That's the only reason all those other things that are so valuable to you, would you be willing to let go of and say, okay, I'm going to let go of those, and instead, I'm going to be willing to receive what you give me, and I'm going to go on the search for following you. I'm going to look into God's word. I'm going to be a part of a church. I'm going to be committed to being the man or woman of God that you've called me to. Why in the world would you do something so crazy unless you had trust or belief in who he was? This Sermon on the Mount was for those who trusted in who he said he was. There were plenty of fans. There was plenty of a crowd around that were just spectators. But he was giving this to those who had made the decision. No, we are on the search. We are on the journey, and we trust you, which is why we're here. We're still scared. We still have our doubts. But we have more doubts to not follow you than to follow you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his right ways. And all that really matters will be added to you. So here's my question. 
What is God tugging on your hearts and minds to let go of? What is it that you know that you're gripping? Because the antidote to this greed, as Jesus shares through this sermon, is generosity. As you, as you take what you've been given and instead let go of it to give to others, you're actually going to have more of a full life. As your eyes go from being squinty to open, from greedy to generous, then you'll begin to understand who he is. As, as part of the search, you have got to, I have got to, we as the people of God have got to trust him and let go, not just of material possessions, not just of money, but of all those other things we're gripping onto. Instead, say, no, Lord, I'm going to trust you. It doesn't matter whether I win or whether I lose. I want you to be with me. And I'm going to walk and do my best to honor you. Help me to understand. You can't just breeze through, oh, seek first the kingdom of God. No, you've got to search. Wait, what does he mean here when he says this? What does this look like in my life? And so my thought is there's something that's going on inside of your heart. Something's tugging, saying, you know what? I need to let go of this. In fact, he said, you need to go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. He said that to one of, one of the people that sought him out. And so most people go, well, that doesn't mean that you should. Yes, it does. It doesn't say sell all your possessions, but if he calls you to that, then you've got to trust him enough to do that. But we take what we have, and we give it away to give to those who have need. I was sharing this with one of my friends, and he was like, yeah, it's like, I've got a few cars. I'm sure there's someone in my church that, I could, that probably is walking to work. Why am I holding on to this extra car when I should be giving it to them? And some of you are like, that guy's whacked. No, that's a person that's following Jesus. It's going, Lord, is this what you're calling me to? Because I am hungry and gripping for you because I trust you over these possessions. Is this what you're calling me to? Is it okay to have this? Or how can I better use this? It could be that uh, at your school, they're all, your kid's school, they're always asking, hey, we need some volunteers. And you're like, I'm, I'm a little busy. I've got a lot. I've got my time. And I, I don't have. That's gripping. That's greedy. Is God calling you to maybe give a little? You can't. You only, there's only so much of you, so there's only so much you can give away. More importantly, what are you gripping onto? You've got to let go of that. And the way to let go of that is to be generous with whatever it is you're gripping to, whether it's control. But I want approval. I want acceptance. What about giving someone else approval or acceptance, as we were talking about a few weeks ago? It's through that generosity that you move from darkness into the light. Um, some of you are going to be very happy about this one. Uh, uh, one of our sister churches uh, in Lake Elsinore, uh, they're doing this thing with Halloween candy. You want to see greed, watch some kids on the 31st, or watch their parents as they steal from their kids this candy. And so this ongoing temptation of greed can be taken care of because there's actually... This kind of blows my mind a little bit. I'm like, are you serious about this? Is this for real? He says, yeah. There's an orphanage, and I believe it's in Zambia, and the kids there, they, they've, the people that run the orphanage actually ask, the kids, for whatever reason, really want American candy. They don't have candy for these kids, so it's like this, you know, oh, treat. Um, chocolate doesn't work. So unfortunately, you're going to have to eat all your kids' chocolate. Um, but anything that doesn't melt... Next, Next Sunday, Sunday, after Halloween, bring it on over. 
Please don't pour it out on the stage. We'll bring in some kind of bag so we can gather it. If you know other people, gather their candy. Please no chocolate because then it melts and gets all over the other stuff. So you're going to have to go to some effort and pull it out. But that's, that's like a simple one, but we're trying to tell our kids in the kids' ministry that. For kids to let go of that, it's the antidote to greed is generosity. Um, call someone you hurt and ask for forgiveness. Be generous with your words, with encouragement notes, text, emails. Only through generosity that you'll be able to let go of this greed. That's why Christ calls it to us. So I want to close with this. Um, I want to ask someone to come on up. They don't know they're coming. Um, so let's see. What do we have? Uh, Brad Sterling. Can you come on up here for a sec, please? This is Brad, also known as Brad Dad. His board's in the back of my car right now because he let my child, his generosity, my child needed uh, a board for a contest and he let him borrow it. So here, I want you to take this penny. I want you to hold it. Oh, how easily we grasp it. Mm, yeah. Okay. So I want you to hold it out like this and I want you to go like that. Okay? Now, this is an example of greed. This is what greed visibly looks like. So I don't know what it is in your life that you're holding there. But we need to seek first the kingdom of God so that all these things can be added to us. But if his hand stays gripped like that, then you can't receive whatever it is that God wants to pour onto you. Oh, yeah. See, there you go. You figured it out, didn't you? We've got to figure it out. You're only going to believe this as you live it out. The only way you're going to see this as reality is as we do it, to see God show up. Because one thing for us to say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, but when you do it, you'll see it happen. I want to pray for us. I want to invite uh, the worship team known as the Clements. Well, you can keep those. <laughs> Come on, I know you want it. I'll take you to the arcade. So if you could join me, if you could stand as we pray. If you need to sit back down or if you feel like sitting back down for worship, that's fine. Um, but we want to start with that position. And now let me pray for us. Father God, we surrender to you the best that we know how. You tell us um, to let go, to seek treasures that last, um, to let the light in by opening up our eyes. But Lord, um, we need your help to do that. We need each other, so guide us, push us to care for each other, to give of our time and talent and treasure so that we can have what is really valuable from you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I didn't run through the whole thing with Brad ahead of time. I just pulled him out of the blue. But he did something that caught me by surprise, which makes perfect sense. Shows his amazing amount of intelligence. As I'm dropping these coins, he's like, well, I better catch them. Like, I didn't expect him to open his hands. The thing is, with seeking first the kingdom of God, it's not like you could see all these coins falling. Like, well, of course. That's where the trust comes in. It's with him, in my experience, it's been as you let go and wait that your hand gets filled. It's not that you see all these things ready to be added. You're like, well, of course I'm going to let go of these things. Because what you're holding on to seems like life. But as you realize he is the way, the truth, and the life, as you make that step of faith and say, okay, I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to put my trust in you and you open your hands, then it falls.
Maybe not exactly what you were thinking was going to fall in your hand, but what you need, what will bring you that full life, which will bring you into the light. Father, you are so good to us, but we know that faith comes from you. It's you that draws us to you. And so I ask that you would draw the people in this room to you, that you would draw our friends that are outside to you. That's your work. Um, we are just the branches. You are the vine. You produce the fruit. Father, we want everybody we know, including ourselves, to know what it is to be free, to not have our hands, our lives clenched, but to, to release into you and to have that full life that you've promised. To you be all the glory and the honor. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.